Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, this is Rick Giordano from The Lion's Daughter, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Rob Thorne from Sacred Oath, and you're listening to Talking Metal. All right, before we get into episode 912 of the Talking Metal podcast, I do want to thank the people who support me on Patreon. We'll start with the upper tier people. These are the people who really step it up each month and support me with a hefty donation. Guys, you you are my lifeblood. I don't even know what that means, but that's what you are. You are the Talking Metal lifeblood. Andrew Miller, Brad Dahl, Chris Riley, Dan Gurwan, Denny Striegel, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Matt Carroll, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, Steven Saylor. Yeah, that's it. The upper tier. You guys rock. And then, of course, we also can't forget about David Gray, Drake, Fred Roots, Glenn Watson, a new guy who lives in this cool little island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm going to attempt to say his name. Hockney Jacobson. The island he lives on is like halfway between like Greenland and Iceland. I mean, it's it's literally like the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's so freaking cool. I like actually want to visit there because I've been obsessed with this place since he joined us on uh, on Patreon. He lives up there in the Faroe Islands. Again, Faroe Islands. I think I'm saying that right. And he used to live in Poughkeepsie for like a year or less than a year, right? So anyways, cool. And I really enjoyed connecting with with him. So anyways, uh, he is now on Patreon with us. James Bennett, Jason Seth, Gene Eugene DX, Jeremy Weltman, Joe Ryan, Joe Ben Cherry, John Simpson, Mario Charance, Metal Dan, Michael Street, Sam Soupy, Sean Richmond, Stephen Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Victor Guzman, Guzman, Victor Guzman, I believe, Anthony Mackey, Brent Carter, who is also rather new, Edward Ferguson, Jerry from Long Island, Gregory Muse, Jean-Francois Blas, Johan Erdstrom over in Sweden, John Barron, John Bovari, Kenny McCrimmon, Patrick Sabin, Ron Keel, 
And of course, let's give a big shout out to Victor Ruiz, who does those bonus podcasts with me on Patreon. You guys rock. Wow, what a team, man. It's growing. And if you don't subscribe to us on Patreon or support us on Patreon, please do so because you get bonus podcasts, you get bonus content. And once I get to 100 patrons, I will start doing a weekly video show, which will, it's not going to be me talking into my phone or recording on my computer. It's going to be like highly edited super cool video show. So yeah, we got a ways to go. We're at 44 now, but I think we can do it. Somewhere, someone out there can afford to support this show by giving me $2 a month on Patreon. I mean, God, I, Starbucks coffee is more than that each day if you get it. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So let's let's uh, let's do it. If if you don't mind, please support me on Patreon. All right, and without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, welcome to 912, episode 912 of the Talking Metal Podcast. We got Rick from a really cool band who my friend Katie turned me on to. The band is called The Lion's Daughter, and they're kind of like synth horror metal. I mean, it's it's really good. You know, and you hear some traditional elements, you hear some death metal elements. It's a really interesting mix, an original sounding band, The Lion's Daughter. So we're going to talk to Rick from The Lion's Daughter coming up. And then we have Rob from Sacred Oath. I got to tell you, I have a ton of interviews in the can right now, and it's actually kind of stressing me out. I think I have too much stuff recorded. So maybe if I have time, my life is absolutely crazy right now, but if I have time, I may get a bonus podcast up later this week Uh, because, man, one of the interviews I have is with Damon Johnson, and he's got a a new record out that is just rocking that I want to give some love to, so maybe we'll get Damon Johnson up later this week, all right, but here we go. It is the day I'm recording this, March 1st. Hope to have this up to you guys March 2nd. And again, stay tuned for members of Sacred Oath and The Lion's Daughter, two great bands, which I'll have linked through the the show notes. So news. Some of you may have heard this on my other podcast, Talking with Mark Striegel, but Amazon has shut me down after 10 years or more of telling people to use the Amazon links to support what I do, which was great. You guys were using the links. I got a $75 gift card last month, which was actually quite high. That's usually around $50 or $60 a month. Can't complain. I'll take it, you know. Uh, So they shut me down. They said I violated the terms of the Amazon Associates program, where that was where I would tell you guys to use the links. So... It's mind-boggling because for 10 years or more, I've been telling people to use the links, and I, I in that time, I haven't changed anything. So there, there's I, I don't know if they changed their terms, and suddenly I'm violating them, or I've been violating their terms for the past 11 years, and just they just figured it out. What in the world I'm doing that's so horribly illegal? I have no idea. I'm just telling people to use the links and putting the links on my website and my show show notes to the podcast. All right, slight edit there. My phone was ringing, my brother calling. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, the Amazon thing, it's an absolute head scratcher. I have no idea what I did wrong. I've done nothing differently than I've been doing forever. And it's a disappointment because, you know, 
50 to 75 bucks a month over the course of a year, it adds up. It does. And every little bit counts. So I have to admit, I'm a little bummed out about that. So here's the new thing. Don't use my Amazon links. I'm, I'm actually pissed at Amazon now, but whatever. Maybe we'll get them back. I did reach out and I'm like locked out of the account and everything. It's absolutely insanity for violating the terms and I did nothing to violate the terms. Nothing at all. It's crazy. Anyways, let's uh, let's talk about something more cool. Let's talk about music news, man. Rammstein. Now, these guys are back. They have another record apparently on the way. And you know, John Astronomy, the guy I founded this podcast with, he's always been into Rammstein, always goes and see sees them play live and all that. And I, I've been like a casual fan from a distance, but this last record that they put out like a year ago or so, uh, it's the one with like the matchstick, self-titled as like a matchstick on the cover of it, was so freaking great. Um, so many great songs like Duschland and Radio and Auslander and Sex. I mean, it's it is just a wild ride. So the fact that that well, actually, I was I thought it came out last year. It came out in 2019, but they're back with another record this year in 2021. So I cannot wait for that. Um, we've been hearing that the you know concerts are coming back, and then yet we're hearing they're being canceled. Like Download Fest, which was supposed to happen in June, has been canceled. But the weekend, you guys know who that is. The weekend, big pop star guy. I mean, he's he's announced his tour is happening, and it's 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 on. So, I mean, I I, I know we don't care about the weekend, but we kind of do because we're interested in his touring dates. Um, which somebody told me they were happening in 2021, but I'm looking at his website right now. It looks like they start in January, like a year over a little over a year, less than a year from now. Uh, which that sucks. Okay, so I was misinformed. The weekend is not touring in 2021. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. We'll see. You know, hopefully these numbers were dropping like crazy, these COVID numbers, and now they're kind of uh, leveling out a bit. But the vaccines are going to be flooding the market here in the States uh, within days. So who knows, man? I'm, I'm optimistic for concerts. I don't think anything's happening before June and like I said, Download Fest uh, canceled or, you know, yeah, canceled. I don't think they should be postponing stuff anymore. It's like, just cancel it and rebook it. You know, Give us our money back at this point. That's just me. Just scrolling the blabbermouth here looking for other uh, headlines. Steve Vai, one of the great guitar players of our time, right? The headline says, it won't be able to play for a while following trigger finger surgery so there you go man that's uh, crazy but you know these guys who are such great guitar players I mean they gotta really uh, um, when they get older get some bad arthritis and injuries to their their hands so I get that but we wish Steve Vai the best of luck and again I think I'm gonna come back in later this week if I have time and do an additional episode where we talk to Damon Johnson and also talk about uh, the great album Kiss Unmasked some people are probably scratching their heads over that but I think it was a great record but for right now let's get into my interview with Rick from The Lion's Daughter <laughs> 
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we have Rick Giordano here of The Lion's Daughter. Rick, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for checking in. I've been checking out the new record, Skin Show, which is due out April 9th, 2021. Great stuff, man. I'm I'm really, really excited for the listeners to hear this. I think you guys have a really unique sound. There's all sorts of different elements musically that we hear within your music. And we can definitely talk about that. But I, I, I wanted to talk about the influences that come into this music that are non-musical, like things outside okay. of like, instead of saying, okay, this band influenced us or this band, what, what things out in the non-musical world influenced this music? Because I, I have a hunch that there's a lot of them. Uh, there are quite a few. Yeah. Uh, I'm, it's probably pretty obvious, but I'm a, a huge horror movie fan. Right. Um, and, you know, we explored a lot of horror themes on previous records. Uh, this one kind of went into, you know, there's still an influence from cinema, but maybe comes a little more from sci-fi and stuff like, you know, De Palma and Hitchcock and, and maybe, maybe more uh, avant-garde right. films. But yeah, a lot of that stuff. So a lot of, I mean, it's still musical, but a lot of the soundtrack influences there as well. Right on. And are there other things outside of even movies or film that influence the direction that you're taking things musically? I know it's it's a weird question. It's a good question. Uh, it's because it's one I've never I've never really considered. I think some of those things that aren't musical kind of you know they kind of show themselves more in the lyrics do than the the actual music right. itself. The the music part when it's being created, I don't I don't really analyze it that much, and I don't really think about where I'm pulling things from. I just kind of let things you know kind of kind of come to me and just flow through as they you know as they will right on right on and as far as the production and the recording of the record obviously we're kind of in a in a unique time here to say the least was it a different approach like with jamming and getting together than it would have been say a couple of years ago like when you did the last record how did the actual recording process work it was different. Um, we did zero of that, of getting together and playing things in a room this time where that used to be how we would write everything. You know, we basically would just go into the studio and throw up some mics and, you know, you basically got the band playing live on the record. And since it wasn't a great idea for us to get together that way um, this time, I just wrote everything at home. And I th I think it created a different kind of record because... I wrote everything as an active listener rather than someone that's standing there playing guitar, you know, playing along and, and paying attention to like, oh, does this feel good to play or not? Am I getting bored playing this riff? Whatever. Uh, writing things at home and listening to everything back as you're doing it. I think it, it, it made for for better songwriting. Um, so really, I would just send what I was doing to those guys. They would kind of say yay or nay, maybe steer me in a direction here or there. And then Sanford Parker, who's produced our last uh, three records now, he came down and we got together in the studio and worked all this stuff out. So really, the first time I heard any of this with real drums was as our drummer, Eric, was playing it in the studio. Wow. Um, so it was really different. But I, I think I, I think I liked doing it that way because it was much easier to focus rather than, you know, instead of saying, oh, it's Wednesday afternoon at two and this is when we have band practices and now it's time to be creative. Well, instead, I can say, you know, it's. Saturday at three in the morning and I'm drunk and I feel like writing a song and I can do it that way if I want to or, or whatever. I could kind of 
channel creativity as it came to me instead of times that, you know, I was forced to. So I wow. like the way that it worked out. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's kind of a interesting thing you said, like just hearing the other guy's parts for the first time, but were you surprised by the parts that maybe they came up with to ideas that you had? Was there, did it, did it give a whole new dimension to your ideas? I mean, how, how can you explore that idea a little bit about hearing their parts and all the pieces of the puzzle come together for the first time? Yeah, well, it definitely, things sounded a lot different once real drums were put to them. And, you know, our drummer's energy and his ideas were, you know, were, were put down versus just a, a very, very dry, simple uh, drum track that I might have put down to stuff. So. There was definitely the opportunity there for for the songs to kind of get new life breathed into them by those guys, uh, as well as Sanford, who brings great ideas to the table when it comes to uh, synthesizers and sound effects and stuff like that. Uh, those guys were able to take my really kind of raw and straightforward, stripped down song ideas um, that were they were complete, but they were pretty they didn't have necessarily a, a life to them yet. Um, they were able to take those and kind of expand on them and make everything sound, sound bigger, richer and fuller um, and really create a sound that sounds more like, like, yeah, I mean, we're a three piece band and we sound like we could be slipknot in there playing. Like there's so much going on with these guys playing. So, um, so it was really cool to see. Right on, right on. And there's a couple music videos that I checked out one for the new song, Sex Trap, which is is great. I was actually looking at a, a video that's a couple years old to um, Die Into Us, that music mm-hmm. video. Now, these music videos, I, really, at first, they're great. I really enjoyed watching them. And they're, they're, I would say, unique. I'm so used to just clicking on the video, and it's either a lyric video or the, the guys in the band just standing on a, a sound stage. Can you talk a little bit about the Sex Trap imagery in that video did you work with a certain director where did this really cool work of art come from yeah well that was actually pieced together by um mothmeister who did the artwork for the album as well as the previous album future cult um so i have to talk about the artwork for a second but uh absolutely they um we've we collaborated on the art this time. Last time we used stuff that they already had and we licensed it. And that was the, the artwork this time we worked with them to come up with uh, some custom artwork. So uh, there's a, there's a cover, a cover image and then an an insert image and variations of those two images throughout the album. Um, So what they did, which was really, really cool of them as they were out, you know, on these locations um, shooting, these photographs for the album art, they took video as well. And it was kind of as a surprise, they sent that to me and they were like, here you go. We shot some video too, if you want to use this for anything. And I thought this is way too cool to just be a lyric video or something else like thrown away. So um, we got in touch with, uh, I'll probably butcher his name, Gulermi, Gulermi, Gulermi. Uh, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to try his last name uh, with apologies to him. Uh, I think his name's in the, in the credits there on YouTube and stuff, but he took that footage and then he shot some additional footage to kind of coincide with that stuff and kind of create this 
this whole idea where there, there are these other characters kind of mirroring the characters that Mothmeister shot yeah. and really piece this whole thing together in a way that feels uh, uniform and feels like one piece. And I think the thing that's really, really cool about it uh, is that it is, it, it is the artwork come to life. Uh, and I've not seen that done in many videos. You know, I, I, I love like when, um, Overkill put out uh, Under the Influence, and they had the video for right. uh, Hello uh, from the Gutter. And in that video, the bat that was on the cover of that album was animated and like yeah. chasing somebody through a sewer or something. And it was really, really cool to see the album art come to life in a video. So I wanted to kind of recreate something like that. Right so on. That's kind of how that all came together. Right on. And we're talking about the, the album cover art for, of course, the album skin show by the lion's daughter and of course the music video for the song off the album called sex trap which is up there on youtube you can check it out guys and again the skin show album is due out april 9th so we encourage all the talking metal listeners to check that out now now rick you guys have supported some pretty big names uh, lamb of god high on fire behemoth pig destroyer and and others what do you notice about the cr different bands and their crowds reaction to what you guys are doing with the lion's daughter? Are there certain bands that are more, their audience is more accepting of what you're doing or do you feel a pretty much universal, you know, uh, love from the audience? Um, I wouldn't say universal love and that's to be expected because we're a little bit of a, we're a little bit of a strange band, I think. Um, by design in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're fortunate that we're the kind of band that other bands seem to like. So we get cool opportunities for that reason a lot of times. Um, but I, I, I was really surprised through playing shows over the years that the, the kind of like lamb of God crowd, which I would just call the more, you know, mainstream metal crowd. Um, I would expect them to be more close minded and really not get and not like what we do. Um, going back to like back in the day, seeing Neurosis open for like Guar and Neurosis open for um, Soulfly and stuff and literally get booed and things thrown at them. You know, right. I kind of thought that's what we were in for. And strangely, that crowd is really, really cool to us. And they're way more open minded than I, I guess, gave them credit for. Um, on the other side of that spectrum, I was really surprised to see that the like black metal death metal crowd are, I don't mean this to any slam against that, that crowd or that scene or that music. Cause I, I love all of it, but that's been the crowd that seems to not get it quite as much or to, to be strangely more close minded. Like if you're playing with if you're playing with several other death metal bands and you don't get up and do the exact same thing, it's people aren't people don't seem to be into it. Some people will, but mm, right that 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 crowd is surprisingly and just in my experience, I do not mean to knock that crowd at all, but in my experience, they're surprisingly close-minded. I think when it comes to to music or you know, guitars that aren't constantly shredding or having these like synth elements in the music or whatever else. I feel like they're maybe a little hard to get through to. Right on. Right on. Cool. And I did also want to mention that you guys have a uh, passion for a rescue in the St. Louis area, which is the 
city you guys are from. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the work you've done with Stray Rescue, what that's all about, and how the listeners could potentially help Stray Rescue. For sure. Um, yeah, in the past, I don't know how many we've done now, but um, pretty much every year we do some kind of a fundraiser or benefit show for them. Um, I think one of the first ones we did a split seven inch with a band called, called nights like these from Memphis. Um, and we did a, a benefit show here and then one in Memphis and we split up all the proceeds. That was really fun. Um, we did a, we got 25 St. Louis bands together to all record punk rock covers, uh, for a big compilation CD that again, then had a, a release show. We of course did dog shit by Gigi Allen cause it seemed appropriate. Um, nice. But uh, and I think the most recent one that we did, we did ban- a live show with bands doing cover sets and we did a whole uh, a motorhead set. So oh, cool. Really, every time we've done it, man, it's it's a win win for everybody because we have a great time doing it. We get to do something different, like we have an excuse to play a bunch of motorhead songs. Who doesn't want to do that? Um, and then people get to come out and see and experience something cool, like seeing motorhead sets. And, you know, another band did. uh did Black Flag, somebody did Botch, somebody did Derosis. It was really cool. Um, and then at the end of the day, we get to take, you know, on average, uh, about $4,000 we usually get to pull wow. from these things and take down to the shelter and donate to, the to, uh, you know, this this uh, really, really awesome organization. And, um, you know, I think it's close to our hearts because both both my dog and uh, my drummer's dog both came from Stray Rescue. So, oh wow, cool, cool. Yeah. So, in a way, like really, the best thing in my life is my dog, and I I owe that to them in a way. So, the least I could do is get up and and butcher some Motorhead covers. You know, <laughs> right, right, great stuff. And the Lion's Daughter. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have been recording music at least for the past 10 years how how long have you actually been together at this point i guess it has been that long um i think we started doing stuff in like 2007 the drummer and i were in another band and the minute you know it was one of those bands we we toured we were on the road 10 months a year you know it was a job it wasn't it wasn't fun and neither of us liked the music so the instant that we both decided to leave that band we said, let's start a, you know, let's start our own thing and let's just do whatever we want. Let's not kill ourselves touring. Uh, let's just have a good time. Who cares if anybody likes it? And let's name it after this stupid romance novel called The Lion's Daughter. Just just as kind of a mission statement of like, hey, we we don't care if you like it or not. It's for us, not you. You know, that kind of thing. Um, right. So, yeah, we started. I think we played two shows in like 2008 and then we'd stop doing anything for about two years because we didn't have a rehearsal space. And then 2010, we started playing shows again. And I think our first legit recording was a, a split with uh Fister That was, I, I think it was summer 2011. So yeah, coming up on 10 years now, yeah. which is crazy. Well, regardless, you guys have been working as a band for, for over 10 years. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that time frame. What are some of the, highlights that jump out from your time with the lion's daughter, let's say over the past decade or so. Hmm. Well, let's see. I know the shows that we played with pig destroyer in I think 2015 were really, really cool. Um, Cause that was a time that was before we were on a label or anything. And we were just kind of, uh, you know, some people locally knew who, who we were or whatever. Um, but it was a huge opportunity to go out and play with those guys. 
and play like these sold out shows to a bunch of people that had never, you know, had no idea who we were. And most of them seemed to be into it. And it was just, that felt really good. And that was cool because that's also a band that, you know, we all love. So uh, to kind of have their stamp of approval and be treated well with those guys and get to have right. them and all that stuff was, was cool. really great. Um, you know, besides that, the, the European tour that we did last year with uh, Worm Rot, Misery Index and Truth Corroded was really cool because that was our first time in Europe. That was our first time on a bus, uh, you know, all that kinds of stuff. That was the first tour we got to do where you show up and, you know, people are expecting you and there's actually, you know, food and drinks and a place to sleep and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it only took us 10 years to get fed before a show, but we finally did it. Right. Um, so that was really great. And like, well, besides that, I mean, creatively, it was really cool to do. We did a um, a full collaboration LP with a folk group called Indian Blanket that I think came out in like 2014, maybe at this point. But that was a completely, completely strange idea because at the time we were just like a straight up, you know, sludgy black metal, doom, whatever you want to call it kind of band. And we had no idea what we were going to do, but we decided to make a record with this folk wow. band that we really liked. And the creative process was frustrating and difficult, but also really exciting and really rewarding. And I'm really proud of that record. Um, so that was cool because, I mean, that's not something a lot of bands do to venture that far out of their their comfort zone and kind of enter a new world creatively and try try something, you know, that different. So right on. Those, are, those are a few. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for sharing those. And I mean, I think... With the skin show too, we we hear a band that isn't afraid to go places and try things and and experiment, and I think that's one of the most exciting things that I'm hearing by the Lion's Daughter on on Skin Show again, due out April 9th, guys. So uh, good stuff, man. I, I really like what you're doing, and and please, you know, when we finally get shows. Again, uh, please let me know when you're in the New York or New Jersey area. I, I want to see you live. Absolutely, man. I will. I will for sure. Hopefully sooner than later. I hope so. The Lion's Daughter. Big thank to Rick for joining us. Be sure you check out their new record, Skin Show. And again, they have a very unique sound, which I really, really like. And we're keeping the the chatter to a minimum here and just really focusing on the interviews. Some of my episodes recently have got, gotten kind of long, and I do want to keep those. Uh, I think it's important to keep it below an hour, but it's just tough when you're a blabbermouth rambler like myself. And just a reminder, guys, please support what we do by joining me on Patreon. If you don't like Patreon, you can do a PayPal donation. All that stuff can be found at markstriegel.net, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot N-E-T. You can also sign up for my weekly newsletter there, which I've really been enjoying. That hits every Friday. Kind of gives you a rundown of everything that's going on. And yeah, again, on Patreon, you get the Mark Striegel podcast. You get the recap podcast. You get some videos. You get a t-shirt if you do $5 a month or more. So a lot of stuff going on on Patreon and such a good crew there. We are on our way to 100. I guess we got to get to 50 first, right? We're at 44, guys. Need more of you guys. Somewhere, someone can support me. Please, please. I'm begging. 
Uh, and any everyone's welcome. Listen, beggars can't be choosers. We'll we'll, we'll take you. Bo, it doesn't matter. If you got two bucks a month, you're you're welcome. Bad breath, you're welcome too. You know, maybe you don't even like heavy metal. Hey, you want to pay two dollars a month to hear me uh, on on Patreon? Uh, I I'm all for it. I'm, I I kid, I kid, guys. I kid. Patreon is the way now, and Amazon is not the way. Also, let me throw this in there. Every Thursday, by the way, I'm doing a Star Wars show live stream on the new social media app Clubhouse, which has been a ton of fun. Sometimes Victor, actually all times, Victor is there with me along with our buddy Chris and talking Star Wars. It's so much fun. Any Star Wars fans out there, follow me on Clubhouse and check out our 7.30 Eastern Standard Time hang where we talk Star Wars every Thursday and uh, apparently it is time for me to go eat dinner so I'm going to throw to our final interview right now this is Rob from Sacred Oath and what a great conversation this was Rob thank you for joining me I really truly enjoyed our our talk and enjoying the new music which uh, you will hear Rob talk about here now on Talking Metal Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we have joining us from Sacred Oath, Rob Thorne. Hey, Rob, how are you, man? I'm excellent, man. How are you? I'm good. Now, remind me, Rob, because I feel like you've been on the show before, but I was going back through all my old interviews, and I was having trouble finding an interview with you. But you've been on Talking Metal before, right? It's been yeah, a it was. Years. It had to be, it was probably more than 10 years ago, and I think we okay. were actually in the city and met you in a studio somewhere. Was it just me or was John with me? I'm trying to... No, I think it was just you. Okay. Yeah. And it was in a studio. Uh, I can't remember where it was. Somewhere in the city. Right on. Right on. Cool. Um, well, anyways, great to have you back. It's, it's been a while and we got to reconvene more than once every 10 years. But yeah, yeah there is a good reason to reconvene. The new Sacred Oath record is on the way. I've had the pleasure of checking it out. It is really, really solid. I think a different sound, a little bit for you guys, at least in my opinion. Let's talk about it. It is Return of the Dragon, and some of the songs are already out there for people to hear. Before we talk about the actual album and songs, let's talk about the lineup. Now, you guys went to three guitars a couple of years back and correct me if I'm wrong, but this will be the first release with three guitar players, right? Including you. It'll be the first studio release. Yeah. We had, we had a third guitar player on a live album we put out a couple of years ago from, uh, from the 12 bells tour, but um, this will be the first yeah set of new songs with the new guy. Right on and run down the lineup for me. Well, so you've got myself and Kenny Evans on drums, who, um, you know, we've been together from the very beginning. And then you've got Bill Smith on guitar, Brendan Kelleher on bass, and the newest guy is Damiano Christian, who's who, who joined on as like um, an additional musician on the last tour as guitar, keyboard, and backing vocal support because we usually have so much stuff going on in our music and we wanted to more accurately, you know, be able to do that live. And um, and we just, you know, we, we formed a great friendship with this 
young guy. I mean, he's 22 years old. He's a phenomenally talented musician. And uh, and we said, wow, why wouldn't we, you know, do this on the new record? And so uh, it really worked out well. That's awesome. And let's talk about the new record. When is Return of the Dragon going to be released? April 2nd. April 2nd. That's awesome. And again, I got an advanced link. The stuff sounds really strong, really rich, full production. Can you talk about where this was recorded, how you went about recording? I know a lot of bands being that we're in this whole quarantine COVID world have uh, recorded things differently, but in some ways this sounds, like I said, it sounds very alive, very rich. So I'm, I'm curious to how you guys went about recording it. Well, you know, we've done pretty much the last seven studio albums in my studio. Okay. Um, and that's always the trick mark is like my, my goal every time around is, okay, we're doing another record here how do I make it sound not exactly like the last record? <laughs> yeah. And this time around, we, you know, being that we were all locked up, you know, and have been, I felt like I had a little more opportunity to really kind of rethink the ways that I wanted to do things this time. And I think that's why a lot of people are noticing, you know, what you're saying that it's like, wow, you know, you guys really changed it up this time. It just sounds more modern, I guess, yeah. is kind of the the word I get. I hear the most. And they're like, it's still obviously rooted deep in that 80s, you know, that you guys evolved out of. But it's definitely modern sounding. And, uh, and I think that's what we were after, you know. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because it does to me have. Uh, a modern sound. I don't know why, but for some reason, it, the production reminded me somewhat of the the last Fate's Warning record. I'm not sure if uh, I'd have. Which to one do you that. mean? You're talking about the, the, the very most recent one? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what the name. When I interviewed, I listened to it down when I was talking to Joey Vera. Um, but yeah, uh, I long like. Uh, uh, yeah, I, the title's not on my lips right yeah. now, but I've been listening to I've been listening to that record. It's a good album. Yeah, but um, that's interesting. Yeah, I I um I could see that sonically. I, I think the, a long time ago we probably sounded more like Fate's Warning because we were both Connecticut bands and they were big heroes of us, and we were probably copying everything they did. <laughs> right. Um, whereas I think now we're definitely lean towards, we're definitely, I think a thrashier band. Yeah. Fate's warning. Um, that record was long day, a, good night, by the way, long day, good night. That's what it is. Right. Um, love those guys though. And love that album. So many great albums coming out right now, actually. Yeah. And again, one of them is Return of the Dragon by Sacred Oath. We're talking with Rob, who has been a member of the band for many, many decades. And I want to get you to reflect back on the history of the band. But before we do that, that word I just actually mentioned, reflect, I feel like, you know, I don't have the lyric sheet in front of me for these songs, but some of the songs seem to have a, re a reflective vibe, some more obvious than others. I mean, songs like, you know, Last Ride of, of the Wicked Death and Empire's Fall. I mean, there's, there's, 
a look back. Is, yeah. Am I, am I on target? No, you're, here? You're, yeah. you're, 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 of course, you're right on. I mean, haven't we all had a chance to kind of do that this year? Yeah. And think, where have we come from and where are we going? And what is this unique, you know, I mean, every one of us is in a unique time right now. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm 51. Me too. I'm looking back. I'm looking back on, you know, the life that, you know, the life I've lived and, and the scene that everything I do now evolved out of. And, and I've got three children and they're growing up in this world. And, and it's something that gives you pause to stop and reflect on how did we get here? Who are we? You know, the record is, is deeply tied into reflections on what, what are the, what are the aspects of human nature and, and, and where do we come from and where are we headed? So, yeah, I mean, a, a song like Empire's Fall is obvious. I mean, I literally, you know, I literally kind of start calling out, you know, bands and, and icons of the, of our genre to try and connect with people who are listening to this kind of music to, to make a point. Although, you know, it's just a metaphor for everything going on around us, but. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting song. And I mean, you know, you call out the metal God and something about the Prince of Darkness going, going gray or something like that, which literally happened. It, it, it seems Ozzy has stopped dying his hair, but uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the song itself, you know, so many songs in the past about rock, whether, you know, it's The Who or, you know, I'm trying to think of examples. I mean, you know, the songs we grew up with, rock and roll will never die, you know, rock's going to yeah. forever. But you Empire's, can't get rock and roll. Yeah, exa exactly. But Empire's Fall, and again, it's all the listener's perspective on things sometimes. But to me, it was as a lover of this music, you know, we share our love uh, of this music, you and I, but I, I almost felt like, like there was kind of like, is this the end? You know, it, it, are, uh, is this empire of heavy metal falling? And could we be, you know, at, at the gates here, the final, the, you know, the, the final hurrah of the heavy metal genre and, the heavy metal royalty, you know, of, of Metallica and Ozzy and, and Halford. Tell me about that song and what it means to you. Cause that's how <laughs> I took it. You know, it, it, it made me happy and I celebrated it, but I have to admit that there was a hint of sadness in a good way, emotional reaction to, Oh shit. Is this stuff over? Is it, are, are we going to finally pull the curtain on the great heavy metal genre? Well, you see, the thing is, Mark, that isn't like that. That's really what you're saying is kind of just the feeling that I want to evoke with all the lyrics on this album. I'm not necessarily literally calling out exact situations. What I'm really trying to reflect on is a feeling. And for everybody, it's going to be something different. And for us as like, you know, metal music enthusiasts, this is a world that we're constantly fixated on. But haven't we all kind of this year wondered that question in one way or another? Like, you know, has it not crossed your mind at, in even once this year that it's like, 
well, is this kind of like the end <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of a lot of things it, or, or is it just another difficult time that we'll get through or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I mean, this interview is about you, not me, but I, I would say this for, for me, I, I'm, a, I'm optimistic. I believe that we will come out of this, that the handshake and the hug hugs will return and we're not going to sit on zoom for the rest of our life. We'll be out, you know, in person experiencing life together, I believe that will return. And I'm not one of these people that it's like, oh, well, there'll be a new normal. I mean, sure, maybe temporarily, but you're not wiping out the handshake that's been around for you know thousands and thousands of years. Having said that, and this is just my personal opinion, I do believe that these older rockers like like Ozzy and you know Kiss and bands like that, maybe, maybe Priest, I mean, Rob still seems somewhat with it, but yeah, this might be kind of, you know, the curtain on that. Will we get Ozzy again on stage? I mean, I know he's planning stuff for 2022, but, but who knows, you know, it could, it could be a premature ending to stuff that was kind of already on its final curtain call, call anyways. Right. Well, First of all, I mean, I agree with you completely that the world's going to come back. I mean, and we will return to some, you know, some semblance of what our life was. I agree with that. And, 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 and the return of the dragon can mean that. Yeah. It can, also, it can also mean the return of the adversity that we've had to endure for the last year. Um, but, you know, these feelings that we're having, they're all real. You know what I mean? It, it, it's okay to feel like, damn, like what what is going on in the world? Well, you know, why is everything all of a sudden got to be so difficult? Or will we be able to get back to this? Or what's happening? What's changing? I mean, there's so many feelings that we're all experiencing: fear, anger, uh, excitement. You know, I mean, God knows my ten year old son loves the fact that he gets to play in his Oculus as much as he does. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. These are, it's just an experience, you know, it's just reflections, Mark, on an experience that we're, we've all been enduring for a while now. And there's, there's a lot of reflecting going on, I think, in everyone. Absolutely. Well, well said. And again, we are talking about Return of the Dragon by Sacred Oath. We're talking with Rob from that band. And I I know my listeners and guys, I will tell you, I think a lot of you guys are really going to dig this release. So I, I highly recommend you seek it out when it comes out in April. There's already a number of songs floating around out there, right? Rob, can you tell us where they can be heard? I know I know it, uh, Apple Music has Empire's Fall up there for sure. Are other songs available on Apple Music and Spotify at this point, or is it like Bandcamp? Yeah, no, we've we, this, this, this has been a whole new type of release for us like uh we've they're calling it a waterfall release which is where we're we literally started releasing singles on january 15th so we released return of the dragon the title track on the 15th and and so that instantly became available on you know every platform and also as a lyric video because the lyrics really are an important part of what's going on on this um, and, you know, and, and not to, I didn't want to sidestep your question, Mark. I mean, if you're really asking me, do I personally believe that this is the end of 
the glory days of the metal that we grew up in is such a fabric of who we see ourselves as. I hope not, man, because, because I love it. I mean, dude, Ozzy Osbourne is one of, is my idol. I mean, the day I, the day I met Ozzy Osbourne was like, wow, I feel like I've just gone to heaven. I mean, these are guys, you know, and gals that have, made the music that inspired me to dedicate my entire life's work to doing this. And, um, but, you know, you know, we, we, you and I have grown up in a generation where it's been all about us. And, and, uh, and I think back now that I'm 51 years old and I say, well, is this kind of, is this, am I going through now what my parents went through? Like, or, or, you know, like, where you're looking back and you're going, wow, music just isn't what it used to be. Or, you know, once, once Ozzy Osbourne passes that that's going to be the end of it. You know what I mean? Or, and what'll happen then? Um, You know, it's weird to see things. I, I, I've been, you know, in the pandemic, I've been doing a lot of teaching guitar and on, you know, on FaceTime and zoom and teaching people, you know, and I'm working with kids who are like, you know, 12, 13 years old that have like never even heard of Led Zeppelin. And I'm like, wow, is how is that possible? Like, yeah. I thought Led Zeppelin would be like Mozart, like everyone would know who they were forever. And there's a generation of kids coming up right now who have no idea who I'm talking about. And that gives you pause, you know, it's like, yeah. whoa, you know, it's kind of it's kind of sobering. Yeah. Kids don't even know. I mean, it's, you know, Led Zeppelin, but it's like my kids, they have no clue. If I said, guys, who's Elvis Presley? They would be like, they would have no clue. Never heard of him. Yeah. Because it's even further removed. Right. Yeah. You know, in some ways, you you know, one of the, one of the, you know, guys who along with a handful of others started the whole thing, you know, and, and we don't, kids don't even know any clue who that is. Yeah. And you know, and they don't, they don't, they don't want to know. And, 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 and that's just the way of the world, Mark. I mean, let me tell you a funny, a quick, funny story. If you humor me for a sec. So my, as I told you, my son is, well, now he's 11. Right. And he, you know, I'm always playing music around the house and I like to actually play like a diversity of kinds of music. Cause I don't feel like I have to cram, you know, heavy metal down my children's throats because they're already getting that just being my children. So, but this one time I happened to be playing stained class on on the turntable and halford is like you know i think i think saints in hell was on right so how old do you think halford was when he recorded stained class oh you uh, i don't know 20 he had to be like in his 20s 23 yeah i don't know in his 20s right and so my son walks in the room and he goes dad what is this this guy sounds like he's 60 (laughs) right and it made me realize that it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with style. And that as generations come and go, the style just moves on. It's the same kind of thing I would have said when I was 10 and my father was listening to Frank Sinatra. In my mind, Frank Sinatra was always an old man. Always. Right. Even when he was a kid, right? Yeah. I mean, I would. Yeah, I I, totally with you. I would say this, and Sinatra is a good example because... The one thing that I feel like heavy metal has done itself a disservice in is that we haven't 
there have been younger bands that have come about and there's a lot of them that are they're playing great music and are out there doing it and they're in their 20s however we haven't quite celebrated them in the way you know sure there was there was frank sinatra and i i was like wow who is that old guy on stage you know i remember my parents actually went and saw him play and i was like you know why would you want to go see a guy who's you know almost 70 perform you know it's terrible you know so i i get that but on the flip side harry connick jr you know here was this young guy you know at that time you know in his early 20s picking up the the torch and and to sir i didn't never thought harry connick jr was cool but some people did you know and i feel like we don't have that today where is where is that young ozzy osbourne picking up what ozzy may have invented and, and done with Sabbath and on his own. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like there's been a lack of uh, support for younger artists. And I blame partly the industry on that because it's always easier to make money off of these more established artists and no one wants to invest anymore in a younger artist. Well, but, yeah. there's no doubt about that. The business has changed in a way that no one wants to invest. So that's part of it. The other part is that all the artists who are in their 70s now are still touring. Exactly. Right. And, and you got to figure, you know, Harry Connick, you know, he. Um, I mean, Frank Sinatra wasn't that busy when Harry Connick started to take off and you really only had Harry Connick. Right. I mean, it was like there were 10 Harry Connicks and now you got Michael Buble. Right. So you, you, so some people will say, well, look at the hair metal genre and go, well, you've got Steel Panther. Yeah, but those guys right? are like 40 years old. Those guys are. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you're talking yeah. about kids, right? I hear yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some out there and I mean, there's like some younger bands, but that's a whole another discussion. But let's let's end with this because we do need to wrap it up. A Crystal Vision, man, when did that come out? Was it 85, 87? I'm trying to... Uh, well, I think it came out, actually, it says 87 everywhere you look, but I think that actually it was released in January of 88. Okay. So I, I went back, I was listening to that prior to our interview. And, you know, in some ways, it you, you can hear the time it came from, but in other ways, it's it's survived the the sound of it and stuff still seems pretty fresh to me. I, I don't know. How do your ears as somebody who was one of the creators <laughs> of that, when you hear that, do, are you like, yeah, this is badass," Or are you like, Oh, you know, I, is it tough to listen to? Cause I know, you know, I'm a musician too. And sometimes I go back, I listen to stuff I performed when I was like, 18, 19. It's very, it's hard for me to listen to, you know? But, yeah, uh, no, that's a, that's a great question. Cause it's actually been a pro it's been a process, Mark, like everything, right? Everything's a, has its season and is a process. If you ask me this, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was still in a, in a place where I, I would cringe when I heard a crystal vision. Cause all I could hear was a 17 year old kid you know, who, who, had, you know, who, who was flying by the seat of his pants with his buddies um, and no idea what was going on, trying to make the best record that, you know, we could make. And I would cringe and say, I want to do this over and that could be better. And this was, oh my God, and this and that. But 
over the years, I've relaxed that and realized, you know what, I've, I've, there are a lot of people out there that love that record and they don't want to hear me knock that record. They love that record. And, and, and I should, I consider myself, I take it as, you know, it's flattering. They, wow. They love a record I made when I was a kid. They still like it. They still think that there's something about it that, you know, there's some, maybe a little hint of timelessness to it for them. I mean, what better compliment could you have, right? So I've yeah, let so great. I mean, I've and you can feel that rawness, the the rawness. You said flying by the seat of the your pants, and I think you hear that on the record. And to me, that makes it feel dangerous. And and you know, there there is an unsureness there that comes across in it, and and a rawness. And I think it's it's a fun listen. I mean, I was again listening to that um, before our interview earlier today. Great, great, great album, and a great to revisit that. Um, great stuff, and and of course yeah. the new record, Return of the Dragon. Also, just I mean, you've come a long way since the Crystal Vision, but just there's still that thread there. No, that that I'm glad to hear because I, it's always been very important for me to 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 honor what was always at the core of what you know we were trying to do in sacred oath and are still trying to do and and so you know some people you always have your critics who are like oh it's not a crystal vision or it's not world on fire it's not that's not exactly that thing again but i do believe that we've always maintained uh you know honesty in our creative process to where we're doing what we've always done you know i mean if you stick to that gun you can't go wrong. Right on. And where is the best place for people to purchase this, the album and get in touch with you online? You know, the best place to, you know, right now the album's in pre-order and the best place really is to go to sacredoath.bandcamp.com because uh, there's a whole pre-order campaign going there and the double LP and the CD, which are really beautiful packages. Those are available. So you're now. doing a vinyl version. Yeah, double nice. vinyl version, oh, cool. and um, and my God, we just got copies of the CD here yesterday, and it's like a twenty-four page full color wow. booklet with a literally a painting for every song it, to go with each all the lyrics. It's it's really an experience that's um, awesome. So there's that, and of course, you know, you can stream everything everywhere. But, uh, but, you know, people can really get in touch with us now, like on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, literally write us and we tend to respond (laughs) right away because we got nothing else to do right now. (laughs) Right on. Well, we hope that the the times change quickly here and we can get Sacred Oath playing a live gig in the the tri-state area. That would be amazing. I'd love to... uh, see you guys live, maybe in the city or in Jersey. I don't know if that's in the cards. I'm sure not right now, but hopefully eventually. We have every intention of making that happen. That's for sure. Yeah. Awesome. And Rob, always great talking with you. Same here, Mark. Thanks. We'll do it again before another 10 years pass. All right. (laughs) Okay. That does it for episode 912. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Talking Metal. And support me on Patreon and follow me on Instagram. All right, guys, take care. We'll talk to you next time. Maybe later this week if I can get my ass in gear and get a a second episode together. All right.
talk soon.